Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from Inner Zone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash inner zone that's i-n-n-e-r-z-o-n-e hey welcome to another edition of our coaching you podcast uh, today jeff jansen's our guest and he's the ceo and owner of jansen sports leadership center jeff is a person that works with high school college and pro players and teams and coaches to improve their performance, not in a physical sense, but in what I call mental skills. He really specializes in developing your internal leadership of a team with a team captain's program that I've been following for years. He works with culture, works you know on all the things that make up great teams. And I think you're going to find that he's one of the most interesting people in this field. I've experienced his stuff. I've read all of his, uh, all of his books. And I think you're really going to find him to be an extremely interesting person. And when you find out and listen to the, the thing I like about him is he works with all sports. This is not a basketball thing. This is what is really important. It's about developing your players and you as a coach. And I think this is an area as you know from my PhD and coaching program, this is an area where I think we all can take a step up. So enjoy, after this timeout, Jeff Jansen. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. 
Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy to use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. Doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. So excited today to have Jeff Jansen. Uh, Jeff is the, I was going to call you the foremost ex- expert in the field of sports leadership. But you're too, you, you have too much humility to accept that, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Welcome, my friend. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Well, you know, I, I've always, I've been, a, before we even met, I, I was such a great admirer of your work. And uh, and one of the things I, I, I was fascinated with was, you know, you know, is that I think it's it's so needed. But how did you decide that it was needed? Yeah, I just, I mean, I was fortunate. I was one of those people that at a very early age in life kind of knew what I wanted to do and and knew what intrigued me, basically. I had read a book called The Psychology of Coaching by Tom Tutko way back when I was Mm -hmm. a uh, junior in high school and just uh, really got intrigued about all the intangibles of sports, of you know the fact that the most talented team on paper doesn't always win the championship and that there's always some special intangibles behind the scenes so it's it's that kind of passionate curiosity for those intangibles that really got me started on this quest and gave me the the amazing opportunity to learn from some really special athletes and coaches about what what they did to get to the highest level so tell our listeners who are mostly coaches, you know, it's one of the few podcasts out there where the listeners are really are real life coaches and men, women, all sports, but a lot of basketball folks. And I, I, I call you a coach, you know, and so who are you coaching? Yeah, I mean, I, what I've evolved into is yeah. coaching, uh, I would say, captains and coaches are yeah. the, the two main groups that I work with. You know, a lot of my work is definitely done at the college level, um, do a little bit with pros, a little bit with the high school, but a lot of my work has been with the college level through the years. And I've just seen, you know, I've always been fascinated by coaches and and uh, have wondered what it is that the best ones are doing. So I've had the opportunity to, to hang around in Anson Dorrance at North Carolina, mm. who's won 22 national championships um, and got my start with Lute Olson and his basketball program at the University of Arizona. Uh, they, had a, they also have an amazing softball coach there. Uh, Mike Andre has won eight national championships. So 
I've, I've gotten the amazing opportunity to really learn at the feet of probably some of the you know most respected and certainly most successful, but most respected uh, coaches out there. And what I've seen is, you know, certainly very highly competitive people. They're, they're results oriented. They want to win. But at the same time, they know how to connect with people. They know how to communicate with people and, and build their confidence and challenge them in ways that people respond to. And that's you know what I've really learned from them. And what I've tried to do is look at their, you know, they're, they're unique people, they're different people, but they have a lot of similar elements. And that's what I try to do when I work with coaches is share what seems to work with today's athletes. And uh, same thing with captains. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of you know, really special captains that have taken teams to some pretty high levels and try to look at what it is that they're doing and then put it into a really practical framework that anybody who's aspiring to be successful or get to a top level, this is kind of a, a formula or a program that you can use for yourself to hopefully adopt some of those similar traits and characteristics. Now, coaches are a weird group. I, you know, self-admitted, uh, you know, they, <laughs> they, they, I always find that when I do clinics or speak to coaches, the first thing I ask them, are you coachable? And many of the coaches are really not very coachable themselves. Uh, and I think you find that when you say, Hey, we're going in, we're going to do, you know, 20 sports at a major university. And now all of a sudden, you know, three quarters of the coaches they really don't want to go because they know they don't know and they're scared that you might ask them a question that's not your style but it's amazing because i do the similar type uh, conversations and they really back off and it amazes me that how can you coach and not want to have a growth mindset and want to learn what are your challenges when you get in front of coaches that really don't want to they don't want that outsider that might give them something they might learn something that could help them win games, which is what this is all about. Right. Well, what I've seen is certainly a lot of t coaches, when they look at their programs, a lot of times they zero in on their kids and, you know, they zero in on their athletes and try to figure out, okay, what, it, what is it where this athlete is deficient, either physically or mentally or tactically? And they're so geared to looking at other people and figuring out how can I tweak them and adjust them and improve them that a lot of times they don't look internally and see maybe some of their own um, challenges mm -hmm. or vulnerabilities as a coach. And they're always used to fixing other people. But you're right. A lot of times they have a hard time turning that microscope in on themselves. You know, one thing that we do with our leadership academies and all the captains is we do 360 degree feedback. So mm -hmm. the kid not only evaluates him or herself, but we have all their teammates evaluate them on 24 questions and on their leadership. The coaching staff does. They're asked what they'd like to see them start, stop and continue. And we've probably had 5,000 6,000 you know, student athletes go through this eval and it's extremely helpful for them. I also offer an evaluation for coaches and we've probably through the years done maybe 50 to 100 of those. Most <laughs> coaches, exactly as you're saying, they want to fix their kids. They want to fix other people when sometimes, you know, maybe if they could communicate a little bit better or focus a little bit more on building someone's confidence, they may not have some of the issues that you have. So I think, you know, as you as you have seen through the years, there's a lot of ego involved in coaching and there has to be. I mean, obviously right now, real time 
thing with Urban Meyer uh, retiring. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, as you look at the major football coaches, there's just such a high level of obsession that almost needs to be there to be at the highest levels. I, I try to call it compelled, where you do have yep. some balance and some focus and some family time so that you're not, I think uh, Dabo is probably a good one who balances that better than most. But if you look at Belichick, if you look at Urban, if you look at Saban, Harbaugh certainly are just guys who are you know, really obsessed at a high level. And that's a big part of their success, but then also can lead to either burnout for them or maybe burnout in some relationships that they have. We say that a strength overused can become a weakness, correct? Yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. And that's, that, those that's are probably ex- perfect examples. That is excellent. That is right there. When you started Leadership Academies, I said, that is such a phenomenal idea. How did that evolve? How did you come up with that idea? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was something I put together our team captain's leadership manual. So I had a, a good curriculum in place that I thought really um, helped kids understand, okay, well, there's leaders by example, and, and how am I doing there? And there's vocal leaders. And fortunately, we were making the move from Arizona over to North Carolina. And North Carolina was looking at uh, trying to figure out, okay, what are ways that we can improve? And their coaches, like Anson Dorrance, were kind of saying, you know what, our, our best seasons tend to occur when we've got really strong leadership from within the team itself. So fortunately, the timing worked out where it was a need they had identified. I had had uh, just moved over here and, as I said, developed some relationships with people, had had the book in place. And you know, it was, I, I guess, uh, one of those marriages made in heaven where that basically what they were looking for and what I had to offer was a great fit. And they, you know, they were smart enough not just to do a one-time kind of thing and hope that they had checked the box when it came to leadership, but just as coaches spend lots of time on practices and everything else, it's really important to have it as a distributed learning program that occurs over time, that's developmentally based. So we had three different tiers of programming that we offer, an emerging leaders program, a veteran leaders program, in a leadership 360 program, so kids would hopefully then progress. And you know, leadership, as you well know, is a very complex skill. You don't just master it in one hour-long workshop. It's something that you continually get feedback on, as I said, through 360s and evolve over time. You you go from leading yourself to leading a teammate to now having the credibility to hopefully lead an entire team. So you know, all of that kind of gave me a, a, a an amazing laboratory to work with. You know great athletes and coaches and see how they were responding and developing as leaders. So when you have the academies, Jeff, and, uh, and I, when I was at UCF for five years, Marcus Sedbury was there working with our AD, terrific young guy. And he, uh, and I know, you know, and he kind of led, you know, our program uh, for our, our captains. And tell, tell me what you want at an academy as far as, the length of it. And I think this is the key thing. If you want behavior to change, just like you mentioned about practice, you wouldn't bring the best football coach in the world. You know, you wouldn't bring Dabo in and say, hey, Dabo's going to coach you guys today for one practice, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, But if Dabo's going to be here for three months, oh, gosh, behavior's going to change. Talk about how the program, and in a perfect scenario, how do you want it to flow? 
for the student athletes and for the university? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I, ideally, the more time you can invest in things, the the better off you're going to be. So, you know, an ideal thing is often where we are having, we're starting with an emerging leaders level, which typically is a, a sophomore that a coach feels like has great leadership potential, but certainly needs some seasoning. I always call it the minor leagues of leadership, that mm-hmm. you're going to get an opportunity to kind of develop and show yourself and hopefully get called up when they need a captain at some point. Um, but if not, then that's fine too. But yeah, we have a we have student athletes from all the different sports at schools uh, come in and we do interactive workshops with them focusing on primarily leading by example and making sure that you are one of the hardest workers on the team. And when the stuff is hitting the fan, you are maintaining your poise and you're making great character decisions away from the court and what you do. And you're building a sense of confidence in yourself as an athlete in your voice. So, you know, every two weeks, we're getting together, we're presenting some comments or concepts, sharing some stories that they can relate to, usually doing a fun activity and challenge that then also reinforces this concept, and it starts getting a top of mind, and then we start giving them some challenges. Okay, now how can you implement this into the weight room this week, into the practice this week, or into the game this week, and then follow up with them? They'll usually have accountability partners in different groups, and we're able to then give them these different concepts concepts, they can go out and practice them, come back, get some feedback on them, and then extend from there. So, you know, that's one thing is, as you said, distributed learning. But the other big part of this, too, or a couple more pieces of this is, you know, our focus is on each kid is going to be at a different spot in terms of their readiness to assume leadership skills. So we do have a specific curriculum for younger kids who are still learning to lead themselves. Then the older kids, once they learn to lead themselves, now I have to figure out, okay, how do I really connect with and motivate my teammates? And how do I build their confidence? And how do I, if they're not doing what they should be doing, which happens a lot, as you know, Mm -hmm. how do I constructively confront them to say, okay, we need more from you right now. If we're going to win the conference championship or state championship or NBA championship, whatever it may be, we've got to have you operating at this level. And you weren't there in the last five minutes. We've got to get you up there. And why aren't you there? And what can we do to get you there? So, you know, the, as kids evolve and different layers of skills and, and complexity start getting added. So that's where we do have these three levels And a lot of times it's based on their year in school. But sometimes, as you know, again, kids come in, they're ready. And Mm -hmm. we're going to put them, we aren't going to put them in emerging leaders just because they might be a sophomore. Hey, we're going to put you in veteran leaders because you've shown that you have that skill. We don't need to do remedial stuff with you. We can advance you up a level. So that's something, too, that we've done has been very flexible in terms of what level a kid goes in based on where they are. We don't just throw them in based on what they're year in school is, but we have the coaches really evaluate that. And then I think the thing that really brings it full circle is we don't just work with the student athletes. We work with the coaches as well. And each time they're fully aware of what the concept is that we talked about, how it relates to that student athlete, how it relates to the team overall. So now you have, you know, all these different layers of leadership 
on the same page, understanding what it is that we're focused on, and there's very strong alignment between them. And, and that's one thing I learned early on is you can have a much greater impact if you're working on all the leadership levels and even you know the administrators are a huge part of this too. And if they're not bought in or understanding some of the concepts, and that can be a little bit of a hole that needs to be shorn up sometimes. Jeff, in the last 15 to 20 years, I, I feel when I say kids, and I mean high school, college, and even young pro players, it's really changed. Uh, I can recall, you know, mainly my pro teams uh, where we had terrific internal leadership on the good teams. And, you know, they, and the players, you know, they did things together. You know, I can remember way back when I was coaching the Atlanta Hawks and I had Doc Rivers and Randy Whitman and Dominique mm. Wilkins, really good young team, really, really an athletic team. And, and, but these guys were so tight off the court. Nowadays, because of technology, because of the cell phone, I think, you barely have guys talk. Uh, right. How do you overcome that nowadays? Yeah, I mean, it is certainly a challenge. It's one thing that when I go in and work with a team, we'll certainly talk about cultures and I'll have them kind of reflect upon what have been some of the best cultures that you've been a part of. And a lot of times, yes, there is that common goal that's a big part of it. There's that unity, that brotherhood that we're not just playing for ourselves, and we're, but we're playing for each other. And one of the big things that I continually do with teams is kind of have them relate or rate where they think their team is in two key areas. Number one, what is your focus on results and your emphasis on results and how serious are you about winning? And you look at that in terms of your intensity in training, your intensity certainly in competition as well. So we'll continually have teams and I'll put them in different kind of smaller pockets so that we get some different viewpoints and, and views on it, but I'll have them rate on a one to 10 scale. Okay, where are you in terms of your focus on results? And then I'll also have them focus on a one through 10 scale, your focus on relationships and really, you know, developing that bond with other guys doesn't mean you're all going to love each other all the time. But are you going to have those candid conversations that you need to have with each other as well? So we're continually kind of looking at those two areas by results and relationships. And we're always kind of saying, OK, where do we want to be? Is there a gap where we need to be right now? And then how are you guys going to do that and that's where you know some of the things with teams that that I've worked with certainly they're trying to do more team meals and they're trying to uh, get out and work with different segments of the team and that's where with the leaders too I'll usually meet with them afterwards and say okay who are two guys that might be maybe drifting off a little bit and what can you do to try to connect in with those guys a little bit more mm -hmm. whether it's you know going out with them or just uh, trying to warm up or stretch with them a little bit more to really try to emphasize the importance of those relationships. Jeff, we're going to, not we, you and I, but uh, there's going to be a lot of football coaches fired in the next few weeks and, yep. and already have. And uh, everyone's going to say, when we hire the new guy, uh, he, he's going to establish a winning culture, a championship culture. It's like one of the favorite buzzwords. And you've written books about it. You've got workbooks on it. It's a nice thing to say, but boy, is it hard to do. How does one go about developing championship winning culture? 
Yeah, it, it is. And it, it, it's a process, as you know. It's certainly not anything that's, that's done overnight, but a lot of times that it is a process that, you know, that administrators need to commit to, um, that they can't pull the plug right away. You know, the fickle fans, that's, it's going to be tough to get them to make that, have that understanding. But, uh, it's something that, that I think needs to really, people need to understand that it is a process, that you're changing habits. You're changing attitudes. Um, you're doing that with the existing people if they can get on board with it. Sometimes the existing people can't, and then you need to make some tough or easy decisions depending upon how you look at it and say this isn't a fit. Certainly then when you're recruiting or or trading for people or, or bringing people on, you have to then make sure that not just are they the most talented people but they're a great fit. I mean, Jay Wright's probably a great mm. example of that at Villanova. I just did a, a blog post about him not too long ago talking about, hey, in 09, when they made it to the Final Four, he was able to get some of those blue chip guys that maybe they hadn't gotten. And they brought in some of those guys, but kind of forgot about their hardworking, selfless culture and had a not very good season at that point. And he said, you know what? I learned at that point that, hey, Duke and Kentucky can go after those guys. That's that's great for them, but that's not a fit with who I am, nor the way that we want to win. And started getting back to the culture that he wanted to have in his program. And by doing that, obviously, brought in some some talented guys but you know his recruiting classes i i'd seen he didn't have a top 25 recruiting class over the five-year period that they won their two out of three national <laughs> championships so probably a perfect example of a guy who yes he's looking for talent but he's also looking for a fit with a culture. And that I think is something that, you know, as you know, with coaches, you talent is, is just this amazing kind of uh, thing that you, that you can't resist. But if it doesn't fit the culture that you want to have, you end up causing more problems than probably what you want. You know, uh, let's talk head coaches for a second. Uh, what my, my observation at the collegiate level in any sport is that the head coaches are kind of iconic. They stay a long time. They, When they have really good success, they become the most important thing in the program because kids move on. They come and go. We're at the pro level, basketball, football. If you act like you're the reason we're winning, you might not win another game. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when Chuck Daly and Sports Illustrated would want to come and do after we won the Olympics, a dream team and everything, and mm -hmm. our friend, you know, Jack McCallum said, hey, I want to come and do a big feature on you, Chuck. You came back at coaching at 67, 68 years old. You're knocking the ball out of the park. And he says, no, no, no story. No, no, no. And he said, no, come on, let me come in. No, <laughs> because he knew as soon as they wrote out the reason we were winning was because of him, that <laughs> we would not win another game the rest of the month, you know. And, and, and I think the pro coaches have such a great understanding. It's about players. It's not about them. Even though it is important that they're really good, they are very, they're, they're more selfless, I think, and understanding of the reason that you win at the professional level thoughts yeah exactly i mean I'm, i've had the opportunity to work a little bit now with the dallas stars this year and it was funny because we were we were in a meeting and uh jim montgomery who's their coach now 
you know, we had some of their leaders there and he was, uh, he'd need to do a radio show and was a little bit late for it and had apologized to the guys like, well, you know what? I'm meeting now with about $50 million of my salary cap. So <laughs> it just put everything into perspective in terms of how important the players are in bringing value to a team. Um, because, you know, as you know, they're the ones who are, are getting the you know, unbelievable contracts. And when push comes to shove, it's the players who are the ones who are going to be kept around um, versus the coaches. I'm sure Mike McCarthy with the Packers probably just kind of mm -hmm. saw that with Aaron Rodgers, how important the, the players are and uh, how a coach needs to hopefully fit within that and understand that, yet at the same time have credibility and have a, a culture and have some standards that everybody's bought into and, and not just be a pushover. And Fred Hoiberg with the Bulls, one of the best college coaches at Iowa State for, for you know years, and now goes to the Bulls. And frankly, in my opinion, has one of the worst rosters in the league <laughs> consistently. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he lost. The reason they hired him was because of his great innovative mind, but all of a sudden, he forgot it. Because his style of play was really uh, forefront to what they're playing now in the NBA. So it really has to do it. I remember one day when I think Chuck was getting, you know, announced as a new coach. I don't know if we were in New Jersey at the time coming from the Pistons and one of the New York writers said to him, Chuck, why are you such a great coach? And I think he was coaching the dream team in another two months. And, and uh, he said, first of all, he says, I'm a good coach when I have great players. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly, you know, the feeling of the, you know, that you have to have. What is the most biggest challenge for you in working with student athletes? I think the biggest challenge is just their, their time demands. You know, certainly they are pulled in a variety of directions from their coaches and the demands that they have, not only with them athletically, but weight room wise and, all the other things that they do, um, you know, student athletes, especially when they've uh, got certain majors and certain challenges that mm -hmm. they need to do in the classroom. So I'd say that's probably one of the biggest challenges is just, you know, fitting this in within the crazy environment that they have. But, you know, the, the great thing about our workshops is they enjoy coming to these because they see that they're very relevant. These are things that they're struggling with. How do I get my teammates on board and more bought in? And we've got team conflict going on. So the more relevant we make them and the more applicable we make them, they really enjoy this time because it, it does give them practical solutions to the problems that are either weighing them down or keeping them from winning championships. And most of them are so competitive that they they want to figure out what are some ways that are going to get us over this hump. We're sick of either not making the NCAA tournament or maybe getting to a sweet 16, but not quite getting to that final four. And they want things that hopefully are going to help them break through. And sometimes those things are physical or dietary, but a lot of times it's these intangibles that are, are the huge breakthroughs for them. You know, I, I've coached 45 years at the college and pro level and, you know, and, you know, and I consider myself fairly strategic and tactical as a coach, but let me tell you, it, it doesn't mean a damn thing, frankly, in most games. Uh, what really matters, I think nowadays, I think sports science is really important. I think uh, many coaches over practice, overwork their players. I think they don't, you know, 
do the things that are necessary to get their bodies to pro, to be in the spot, the optimum spot, and more importantly, mentally. I, I think that if you t- told me, hey, we can practice for two hours today or we can work on mental skill development, I'll take that every day because I, I've i gone out and played against the best teams in the world with no shoot-around, no practice, and mm-hmm. one. So the X and O part, of it was because they were ready to play mentally. I'm not taking a zero amount of credit for it. It's the players were ready to perform. And I, I'm really upset at coaches when they don't see the importance of this because that's the, the blind spot, like a car. The blind spot of coaches is they're very weak in this area. And they yeah. don't they don't accept that there might be someone there that might have more expertise to enhance their players. That's what really bothers me about coaches in general. Yeah, I would agree. And, uh, you know, one thing that, that I'm looking at right now is I have a lot of coaches say to me, hey, this kid just doesn't understand what it takes to win. They, mm-hmm. they don't understand what it takes to be successful. So I've been kind of, you know, really talking to a lot of people and coaches about this and then looking at, I've been fortunate kind of through the years now to have about 30 national championship teams that I've had a chance to learn from. And, and what I've seen with these different groups is number one, they've got a championship mentality, just as you're saying, they've got a championship culture and they've got championship execution. They know how to execute and close out games and not beat themselves and all that. And, and exactly what you're saying here, I think most coaches are really focused in and honed in on that third one, championship execution. And yes, there are the X's and O's. And yes, we need to even look at analytics and all those things that help us perform where we need to. But the often neglected areas are the mentality and the culture. And I think if you look at the really, really successful coaches nowadays, they look at all three of these things. They don't just get caught in the execution aspect of it and all the diagramming of plays and all that, but they're really honed in on the kids' mentality and on their players' focus and energy levels and positivity and all that. And they're focused on their culture and how people are doing. So it really is, I think, all three of those that you need if you're going to be successful. And uh, each of those needs its uh, time and focus. Jeff, I love the topics that you've developed, written books on, created workshops over. How did you come up with these? Yeah, it's it's really been two ways. I mean, one is when you're so immersed in this stuff uh-huh. over and over. And, and one of the amazing things that, that I've had in my job is – you know, I get to work with entire athletic departments. So you're looking Mm -hmm. anywhere from 20 to 30 unique, different cultures, different programs. Some of them that are vying for national championships or are these dynasties and how do they keep it going? And I've also been with athletic departments where they've started sports for the very first time. So You, uh, you can't get a better laboratory than uh, an athletic department because you get to see almost every situation happen. And, you know, and when you're in the trenches long enough, you start hearing over and over again the same kind of challenges that coaches are finding. We don't have enough leaders. We need to upgrade our culture. Kids don't understand what it takes to win. And after you hear these things over and over and over again, 
you know, you start to get fascinated about this. Okay, well, I have seen a team that's that's transformed its culture and went from worst to first in a year. I have seen a team that's now won five consecutive national championships. And I have seen a team that, you know, has been really successful. So then you really start to look at, okay, what are these teams doing differently or better than, or what are these teams totally avoiding that is allowing them to be so successful and why these other ones are struggling. And after you're in it so often and see so many patterns, fortunately, my mind is one of those that kind of sees patterns and things and is able to then kind of put it into a framework that makes it really practical and easy to share to people. And that's one of the things that a coach once said to me is, you know what, the things you do and the things you talk about is all stuff I experience. All you've done is just kind of put it into a model and put Mm -hmm. it into a program that makes it easy to teach my kids. And I, I took that as a huge compliment. That's, I think, how these things evolve is I just hear these you know, uh, frustrations from coaches. And then I get really curious about it. I immerse myself in it. I go, I go to Zingerman's Deli, which is, has an amazing culture in Ann Arbor, Michigan. That you I might love know it. From I love Detroit it. I know days. it well. I know it well. Um, yep. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I learned from all these other places as well, too. And as you know, the, what, what makes a successful sports team is identical to a business team, is identical to a school, is identical to a nonprofit. It's it's, it's people. And if you can figure out how to motivate people and help them when they're struggling and get them to work together as a group and handle the adversity, then it's going to work whether you're building you know, sandwiches at Zingerman's Deli or trying to win a national championship with a college sports team. Yeah, I love Zingerman's and I've been there for probably a long time. I've been going there. It's fabulous. But I'm going to add to your list now. I'm going to add to Chick-fil-A to add their their culture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and down in Baton Rouge, Raising Cane's. My God, you talk about something that's special. And then, which is another, and then Walk-On's, a phenomenal sports bar created by a walk-on basketball player at LSU. It is, you know, just a spectacular culture of these things that these guys all created to be like teams. And that's what I love about them. You know, you're right on there. Hey, my son was, uh, after being a student there, became the golf coach. And this is how I got turned on to my friend Jeff Jansen is he became the golf coach, a very successful one at Lake Highland Prep School. And one of my former players, the great Jeff Turner, who I had with yep. the Magic, uh, brought you in. And one day my son called me up and said, hey, Dad. I learned more than I learned in college today. And I said, what did you learn? And he told me about <laughs> you. And I said, well, you've been living for 25 years with a world championship coach. He said, Dad, he's way better than you. <laughs> and so, oh, so compliments there's, there's, to you, my friend. He listened he to you. His, he needs his head examined. I, I can't Yeah, no. He, and, and, and I said, wow. And, and, and then I talked to Jeff. And you know what? And, and that's when you can impress young people. Uh, and very accomplished people like Jeff Turner, uh, you know you're something special. But hey, how can our listeners, uh, of which we have so many, how can I, I, you know, as I follow you like crazy on Twitter? But how can they follow you on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter handle is Jansen Leader, and uh, you know, as you know, and and like you do, I, I try to get out every weekday some kind of little motivational tweet that can either be shared with the team or get a coach to thinking uh, about uh, their program a little bit more. So I. Do that on Twitter regularly, and then I've got uh, JansenSportsLeadership.com is my 
website and on there I, I do a monthly blog. So I've got probably at least 25 to 35 of them archived on there for my blog and put a new one out usually around the first of the year um, with it. So I'm always, you know, always as you are running into new different ideas and different things that might be of value. So I try to put those together into something that coaches can apply with their teams. Well, as a high school or college coach in any sport, you need to follow Jeff, learn from you got great product and I love it. And uh, you, you're a great resource to, to teams, to coaches, and most importantly to players. Uh, I think internal leadership is the key to any team's success. And you're the first person I really have seen address that. So kudos, Jeff. And thank you so much for helping today. Well, I appreciate you and I appreciate all the things that you do to give back to coaches. I mean, that's a, a perfect example of somebody who's succeeded at a really high level and continues to succeed, but wants to give back to the game. And that's something that I think everybody can learn from and hopefully appreciate. Well, thank you, my friend. And I, I know our listeners are going to absolutely love this session. I appreciate it and have a great new year. You too. Amazing content. And again, Follow him on on Twitter, Jansen Leader. Go to his website, and I'm telling you, every tweet, every blog he writes will be something that you learn. Uh, again, a big thank you to our great sponsors at Fast Model, Dr. Dish, and Interzone. And again, uh, look forward to next week. This is the coach, Brendan Sarah.